For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. You may be seated. Those that have been born again by the water and the Spirit, when they see Jesus high and lifted up on the cross, see their sin and the love of God and are compelled to follow Him. Those who have been born again by the water and the Spirit, when they see Jesus the Messiah high and lifted up on the cross, they see their sin and the love of God and are compelled to follow Him. My sermon this morning comes from John chapter 3, that encounter with Nicodemus. My question for you this morning is, are you born again of the water and of the Spirit? Have you been born again of the water and of the Spirit? You see, we as Christians, we know how important it is to be born again. And I don't mean necessarily the kind of... um, uh, evangelical, you've got to be, you know, quote-unquote born again with just one statement of faith and then you live the rest of your life. I'm talking about what our Lord says to Nicodemus, that you must be born of the water and of the Spirit. And if you are born from the water and of the Spirit, you will see your sin and the love of God on the cross and you will be compelled finally to follow our Lord. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named named Nicodemus. Nicodemus, the text says, was um, a ruler of the Jews. He was a Pharisee. He was really important. He had, of course, um, piety, real piety. He loved Yahweh. The Pharisees were not like the Sadducees, these kind of, you know, uh, religious elites that, um, that questioned things like the resurrection. The Pharisees, they loved Yahweh, They also loved, though, the rules and to make rules upon rules and to follow them. And Nicodemus was a leader, one of the Sanhedrin, one of the 70 elders, leaders of Israel. And we see that he's coming to Jesus himself at night. How many of you all have seen The Chosen? Do you remember this episode with Nicodemus? Okay, well, I don't because I haven't seen it, but I've heard about it. Apparently, they do a really good job of Nicodemus coming at night. Um, Actually, some of you are nodding your head, so, okay, cool, I can use this then. The fact is, Nicodemus comes by night for two reasons. I mean, one is this theological kind of motif that John's getting at, that Nicodemus is coming in ignorance and in darkness, not understanding fully what's going on or whom he's going to be meeting, okay? But also, he's coming by night because he doesn't want to be seen. He's showing up to visit this Jesus of Nazareth to listen to him, to find out more about him. And Nicodemus does as much. 
I mean, can you, can you think about, though, the humiliation should he have been caught in this moment in time, trying to decipher and discern, is this, in fact, the Messiah? This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Nicodemus gives um, kind of a halfway confession about who Jesus is, that you're from God, you're a rabbi. Again, think about, I mean, one of the 70 of the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees coming to Jesus and saying, you're a rabbi from God. That's a, that's a wonderful statement about who Jesus is, though it's not fully accurate, and our Lord is going to point him in another direction in a moment. But Nicodemus has that understanding, and I think that, that this is akin to not only unbelievers, but, but even those that kind of hearken the doors of the church, and they confess Jesus as being a good rabbi. He's, he's from God to some extent, and you know about him, but you don't know him fully. You have not become a disciple a disciple that Nicodemus would, in fact, we know, become. You may not know, but Nicodemus only appears in the Gospel of John, and he appears three times, first coming by night to inquire from Jesus himself. Then he comes a little bit later towards the middle of the Gospel where he's kind of debating with other Pharisees about who Jesus is. He kind of takes up for Jesus, kind of. But then he finally comes during the day with tons and tons of... of um, uh, spices to embalm the Lord. His Lord comes by day, becomes a full disciple. But at this moment, he's confessing only kind of halfway who Jesus is. And Jesus answered Nicodemus, Truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless one is born again. And Nicodemus said to Jesus, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Nicodemus doesn't understand the spiritual point behind what Jesus is trying to say. Let me cash this out for a moment about Nicodemus here. Jesus is saying, your entire life lived as a Pharisee in love of, uh, in love of Yahweh and uh, this Jewish piety, which is, which is a good thing. But see, the thing is, with Jesus on the scene, you've got to start all over. You've got to be reborn. He has to be reborn. The, the Pharisee of Pharisees has to be reborn by water and by the Spirit. Now, we know at this point in time, Nicodemus and other Pharisees hadn't, in fact, decided that Jesus was either the Messiah or not the Messiah. There's some debate going on. John's out in the wilderness at this point. You know, he's um, eating locusts and honey. He's out there. He's still baptizing uh, at this point in time. The Pharisees know about it. They know that Jesus is now on the scene, and they haven't fully uh, made up their minds yet. And Jesus is saying, you're going to have to be born again through the waters of baptism and by the Spirit. And we're going to see that this opens up really what it means to be a follower of our Lord, finally, what it means to be born again. Nicodemus has his eye and his mind on just earthly things, on a new birth. It can't happen. It's impossible. How can a man enter his mother's womb again and be born? And Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. We're Anglicans. We love our liturgy. We love the traditions that have been passed down to us. 
But what is being said here is that if you want to be born again, it doesn't say become Anglican. It doesn't say become Baptist. It says, in fact, you must be born again by the water and by the Spirit. Now, let me say this. There are some of us in this church, in the churches that are meeting about this hour of the day, in the morning, Many of you have been born by the waters of baptism, a new birth, as we say. You are baptized into Christ, and if into His life, then into His death, and if into His death, then into His resurrection. But the Spirit of God that was given to you at your baptism, whether as an infant or as an adult, you, are, you, are, you have rejected it. You believe that only coming to church, only being baptized is your one-way ticket uh, to paradise, and that is it. Let me say this, no, brothers and sisters, we are to be born again, born of the waters of baptism and of the Holy Spirit. N.T. Wright has this great comment on this, on this passage. He talks about um, a birth certificate, and he says that um, what, what is the, uh, what's the evidence that you're alive and functioning in life? Is it your birth certificate? How many of you all have framed your birth certificate and put it somewhere in a prominent area in your house. Don't raise your hand. Okay, well, some of you all just ruined the example. All right, moving on. Um, now, I, I understand, yes, if maybe if you, if you were pregnant with, with a child that, um, that wasn't supposed to make it, yes, I, I would see that. But most people don't have a huge birth certificate over their mantle. The evidence that you have been born and are alive is what? Someone said breathing. Yes, yes, we're getting, yes. You are breathing, you're living, you're active, you're speaking. That's the evidence. Your birth certificate, of course, points to that, but that's evidence that you're alive. So here's the deal. Some of us here this morning have been baptized and received the grace of God, the means of grace through the sacrament of baptism. That you have received God's grace and you have received the Holy Spirit, but you feel like there are no signs of life right now. The Spirit isn't moving. You almost feel like, you, I need to be born again. Let me say this. You, you might need the Holy Spirit to come back in and to raise what has died within you. But you were baptized into the church. Amen? You were baptized into the church and given the Holy Spirit. And if there is any sign of life in you, if the sign of life in you is simply, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, that's the sign. That's, that's the, the moment of the, of the breath of God that is still in you, be encouraged that the grace of God is still on you and to walk in the Spirit. You have been born again through baptism, but it's the ongoing work of the Spirit that keeps us alive and in the promises of God given to us in our baptism. And Nicodemus didn't understand this. It was all physical for him. How can I be born again? Back to N.T. Wright's metaphor for a moment Luther said we need to go back to our baptisms when we feel the assault of the enemy and be reminded what God has done for us. Yes, maybe it's good every now and then to go back to that birth certificate, go back to that baptismal certificate and see what God did to you by His grace in grafting you in. But also, beloved, let me encourage you through prayer to ask the Holy Spirit to breathe new and fresh life into your bones and I'm not the one just alluding here to Ezekiel 37. Our Lord goes on to do that with Nicodemus. 
Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of Spirit is Spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. For the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit." This is Ezekiel 37 here behind this text. Do you remember that? The Valley of Dry Bones. When Israel, uh, God's chosen people, by the way, they had been born. They They were recipients of the covenant of Abraham. But they lay dead bones in a valley. And what does the Lord tell Ezekiel to do? What does he tell them to do? To prophesy over the bones and to prophesy to the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to come and to be upon and over and within these bones, and then finally to attach bone to bone, sinew to sinew, muscle to muscle, so that these bones might what, finally? Might live. Might live. Beloved, we are called to be born again, born from above, through the waters of baptism, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Some of us here feel like we, are, we have no signs of life yet left in our existence as a believer. Let me remind you, if you've been baptized, the promises are there. Ask God to send again and in a fresh way His Holy Spirit to enliven you, to awake you from, awaken you from a slumber that you're in. Move on here in John 3. And Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? A bit of a shot, I'm sure, to Nicodemus. Maybe Nicodemus was thinking he was going to get a pat on the back or something. Our Lord's like, No, you're a teacher in Israel. You should understand these things. Truly, truly, I say to you, We speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you did not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? There needs to be a reorientation of Nicodemus, and that reorientation is a new birth through the waters of baptism and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Then our Lord goes on to say this, because he's about to tell Nicodemus of some heavenly things that are to come. He says in verse 13, no one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Do you remember this episode? in the life of Israel. That very weird episode where fiery snakes are biting God's people. And again, we don't know if fiery meant like the color of the snakes or that the bite burned really bad and would cause death. But these fiery snakes are are, are roaming around and they're biting uh, Israel. And, And Israel actually says in Numbers 21, Lord, we have sinned against you. And they cry out to Moses to plead on their behalf to Yahweh. And Yahweh tells Moses to do what? What does he tell him to do? To take a staff, to put a bronze serpent around the staff, to hold it up, 
for the people to look at. It says that if they are bitten, or when they are bitten, if they look at that bronze serpent, what was the promise? They would be healed and they wouldn't finally what? They wouldn't die. Our Lord says here to Nicodemus, quoting Numbers 21, that the Son of Man is going to be lifted up just as that bronze serpent was lifted up for the people of God to look at. And beloved, for those who have been born, reborn, that is, in baptism and by the Spirit, when we look at the cross of Christ, when we see Him on the cross, we are to see both our sin and the love of God. What a weird thing that the serpent would be the image for the people of God to look at. What an, what an odd thing. The serpent, the garden, sin. But Paul reminds us that he who knew no sin became sin, became our sin for us. And when we look at him and we see the sin of the world, the death, the evil in our own hearts and minds and actions and the minds and hearts of all of humanity, when we see that sin on the cross and we say Jesus took it upon himself, then we can be what? Healed. We can be saved. Those who are born again see the cross and the sin that was on the cross, namely Jesus who became our sin for us. That whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And then finally, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Beloved, for those that have been born again through the water of baptism and by the regeneration of the power of the Holy Spirit, when we look upon the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, we see our sin, but we also see the love of God. Let me conclude with this. I, um, I get to meet with a lot of you throughout the year as your priest, and it's an honor to pray with you, to listen to you, to walk with you through joys and through struggles. Um, there are some of you here that actually, that you don't really see you see the love of God in the cross, but you don't see the sin that our Lord took on. You might not even see your own sin. You're erring on one side. During this Lent, let me encourage you through prayer to be reminded as the Spirit reveals to you, your sin, my sin, was taken upon Jesus himself. It was taken upon him. The agony, the suffering, the good Friday that we're moving towards from Lent to the Passion. He took on your sin and mine that we willfully entered into. But then there are some of you that are so broken by sin and broken by the way others have sinned against you, you can't even experience the love of God. You reject it. You can't see it. You can't feel it. Let me remind you that the Holy Spirit that points you to the cross of Christ and our sin on the cross is the same Spirit that also points you to the resurrected Lord who went to the cross because he loves you. And he wants to bestow upon you eternal life, not just in the age to come, 
but a life that can be entered into at this very moment for those that are born again. And in your living of that life, others will be brought in. But it's eternal life given to you through the love of God the Father for you. Finally, I love that word, whosoever believes. Whosoever believes, if you believe, if you trust in Jesus, that he took on the sin, and that because of his love for you and for me, he went to the cross to redeem us. If you believe in that, let me remind you of the grace of God. You have been born again. If you can confess that you have been born again. And I would be amiss not to say, uh, to say this and to conclude with this, that um, if you are here and you can confess that, and I mean even confessing, saying, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, that is a sign of life, praise God, you're in the fold. But if you haven't been born of baptism, now's the day. Now is the day. Come and find me. For we are called to be born again and from above through the waters of baptism and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hang on, beloved. I know there are signs of life within you. Hang on to that. The Spirit is moving us through this Lent and finally to Holy Week where we will see the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ where our sin was taken care of and the love of God given to you and to me. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.